Good morning and welcome to our 10 o'clock Sunday morning service here at Midway. Thank you for being present with us. Those who are actually here in the auditorium this morning, we're grateful to have you. And those that are joining us via YouTube, thank you so much for being present with us and worshiping with us this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're about a minute behind and uh, get into our service this morning. I'm going to lead our opening prayer. Our singing this morning will be led by... Randy Wood, at the appropriate time, Mark will bring us the lesson of the hour. And then to close us out, our closing prayer will be led by Keith Gann. If you would, bow with me at this time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be present this morning to allow us, Father, to worship you. We're grateful, Father, that we live in a nation where we can do that and not have any outside interference whatsoever, a nation that allows us to do this because we know, Father, that there are some who cannot do this. So let us never take this for granted. Let us always be present when it is time to worship you and to assemble with the spiritual family. Thank you, Father, for all the material blessings that are ours to enjoy. 
And above all, Father, we give thanks to you for the greatest gift that you have ever blessed this nation with or mankind with, and that's your son and the death on Calvary for our sins. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in and through his death, that if we live according to your word, that someday heaven can be our eternal home. Father, we know we have many who are sick, and we pray and ask your blessings upon them, your blessings upon the doctors and nurses, all the medical staff that care for them. Father, we ask at this time that you be with us as we open our hearts and our minds to you this morning and help us, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth and help us, Father, to give our greatest talents, our best ability as we worship you. For it's through your Son we humbly pray. Amen. I'd like you to stand, please. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. everyone today so thankful that you're here glad again that you're able to be here with us and we appreciate so much the fact that we have some who are guests today we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you might have many of you here from Midway know that one of the uh, persons who's been one of the greatest influences on my life was brother Wendell Winkler he was a great mentor and friend 
But one of the sayings that he had, and he said it quite often, tried to emphasize that to his preacher boys, was simply this. He said, class, be balanced. And so that has always stuck with me. That's something that I've tried to do, tried to practice in my life. But when we think about balance, what is it that we're talking about? Let me give you two definitions of balance this morning. The first one is simply this. One definition is even distribution of weight enabling someone to, uh, or something to remain upright and steady. You know, uh, sometimes we talk about losing our balance. Uh, maybe we bend over or whatever and we stumble in some way. But we get things sort of out, of out of kilter, if you will, trying to keep them upright and keep ourselves going. But another definition of balance is a condition in which different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. Different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. And we want to think about that definition of balance this morning. Uh, in relation, you may be wondering why we have a tire up on the screen, but in relation to a wheel, to a tire on a car, if you've ever had one that gets out of balance, you know what happens, don't you? You know that you get a rough ride in your car. Your tire goes down the road bouncing because it's out of balance. But by the same thing, way of thinking about it, when our life gets out of balance, when the things that are in our life get out of balance, you know what happens? Well, you get a rough life. And so what we want to do in the next few weeks is to talk about some ideas, some concepts in regard to balance. Now, most agree that there are six areas that go together to make up what we'll simply call this morning life's wheel. Six spokes, if you will, in the, in the rim or in the tire, in the wheel of life. And as we look at it, we, we think that it's something that sometimes they get out of kilter, as I used that word just a minute ago, but we get them off balance, we get them out of proportion, if you will, as the definition that we were talking about. And so what we want to do is think about these things. Now, what are the six things that go together, the six areas that need to be balanced in our life? Number one, there is the spiritual area. The spiritual area that needs to be balanced in our life. Number two, there's the family area that needs to be balanced in our life. The family area. Number three, the social era, uh, area that needs to be balanced in our life. Number four, the vocational or the work area that needs to be balanced in our life. Number five, the recreational area that needs to be balanced in our life. And then the final one that has been given is the financial area that needs to be balanced in our lives. Now what I want us to do is go back to that first one that we mentioned, the spiritual area. And that's what we want to spend a little bit of time on this morning, talking about this idea of the spiritual area of balance in our life. Now when we talk about the spiritual area of of balance in our life, you know that we're talking about the religious things of life. We're talking about uh, the, the concept of church and things that relate to that, of course. We, we know that that is a part of it. But more importantly, we must understand that the spiritual area of life starts with our relationship to God. 
and carries on over into the every other relationship that we have. Now, obviously, this morning, we can't cover every aspect of the spiritual area of life, not in one sermon. If we could do that, if I could do that, then uh, there would be no need to have another sermon preached. But as we look at it, we'll try to do some highlights. Now, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to examine these other areas as well. And, of course, I can't cover every aspect of of the things that are in these other areas of life either. But again, we'll hit some highlights that will hopefully help us. They'll be important to us. And there are things that every person, every Christian must consider in his or her life. And so this morning, as we begin our study of balance in life, maintaining life's balance, let's look at this idea of the spiritual area. And as I do that, I want to begin by asking you a question. And that will be the fill in the blank on your sheet. Do you have spiritual goals? Do you have spiritual goals in your life? Now, some folks, they are goal setters and that causes them to be goal getters. In other words, they maybe write their goals down and They are very conscious of what they want to achieve, and because they have these goals, they get out and they go to achieve the goal. And then on the other hand, we have some who aimlessly wander through life, and they do not know where they're going, and they do not know if they get there. And so they just simply wander around, hoping that everything will turn out right. Now, I'm fearful that too many in their spiritual life are like this latter part. We simply wander around in life hoping that everything goes well. They wander to church on Sunday and they feel like if they're faithful in attendance, then they're very spiritual people. And if that is the case, then maybe we have missed the point. Now, the question after we ask this one, if we have spiritual goals, is simply this, what should our spiritual goal be? If it's something that we need to have so that we're not wandering through life, what should our spiritual goal be in our life? What is it that we need that will help us to have balance in this life? In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin reading in verse 11 and we'll go all the way through verse number 16. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. There the apostle Paul writes and says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature uh, manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. Now watch this next part. We are to grow up in every way, into Him who is the head, into Christ. 
from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, obviously, again, the apostle is talking about the church. He's having reference to miraculous things in the first century, and we don't have time this morning to go into that in great detail. But the point that he's trying to make is that maturity has to come. Now, the spiritual elements in the first century, or the miraculous elements in the first century, were what helped to bring the church to maturity. But when we think about what he said at the beginning, he's talking about not the church altogether as a whole, but he's also talking about the saints in, in, uh, uh, as individuals. And as we look at that, what we understand is that we have to grow, that we have to grow up. And especially in verse 15, here is what he said again, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so as we look at this passage, what is it that we're, what is it that we're looking at? What is our goal? Well, we're to grow up so that we are fitting our, our, ourselves, the body of the church, but the individuals themselves are fitting for the head who is Christ. Now, let me see if I can put this in terms that we'll understand that will be helpful to us. Our goal every morning should be to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. That should be our spiritual goal. To be more like Jesus today than what I was yesterday even. Now that's only a 24-hour span, only a 24-hour period. But my goal is to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. Now when I ask you about spiritual goals, you may have thought that I was going to have some big, elaborate, theologically heavy, hard-to-understand program that I was going to bring out to you. But let me, let me beg you, please do not overcomplicate your spirituality. Sometimes we try to overcomplicate things and we get ourselves out of balance. We get ourselves off kilter again. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, at verse 29, Paul said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, there's a word that I want you to look at. The word conformed. Paul said again, those he, uh, who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, conformed to something, conformed to the image of his Son. Now what does it mean to be conformed? Well, the word conformed means having the same shape or form. And so in other words, what Paul is saying is that he wants, to, wants us to have the same shape or the same form of Christ. Now isn't that what I said from, again, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, that we're growing up into the head, we're becoming more like Him. But Paul says that we are to be conformed, in other words, to grow into, to come to be, to have the same shape or form as Christ. 
Now go back with me to the very first chapter of the Bible. In the book of Genesis chapter 1 at verse 26. In that passage, Moses writes for us, then, said, then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now again, what does Moses mean when uh, he writes what God said, or what does God mean, probably the better way of asking that, that he was going to make man in his own image? What does that mean, that, that he's trying or seeking to do that? Well, let me read a paragraph, or at least a part of a paragraph from Tyndall's commentary, and then we'll talk about it just a little bit. Because I think they sum it up quite well here. And in what did this image of God consist? Not in the erect form or features of man, not in his intellect, for the devil and his angels are in this respect far superior, not in his immortality, for he that is man has not, uh, uh, like God, had a past as well as a future eternity of being, but in the moral disposition of his soul. And then they add, commonly called, original righteousness. Now let me just address the latter part here, the last two words. This, this phrase, original righteousness, that is a term that was coined by the Catholic Church. But it's, uh, it's something that we can obviously see that it is the way that God intends for us to be. We're to be like Him. We're to be righteous. Like him. Man is not just made standing up like God. Man is not made just being smart like God. Because as they point out, the angels and of course Satan himself have that same kind of intelligence, probably even more. It's not that we have eternity exactly like God. We don't have past eternity like God. We will have future eternity, but... That doesn't make us God Himself, even though that might be a part of it. But I think the key is that we are made in the image of God to be like Him on this earth. To portray the characteristics of God here on this earth. To display those in our life here on this earth. That's why we would seek to be formed in the image of God, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, growing up into the head, Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not consciously striving to attain this spiritual goal, that you're seeking to be more and more like Jesus every single day, then I'm begging you this morning to make that your spiritual goal. From this point forward, make that your goal. Because you will never have a balanced spiritual life until you do. You've got to have that spiritual goal. But then number two this morning, as we consider our spirituality, the spiritual area of our life, to develop spiritual balance, our mind must be right. Our mind must be right. 
Now, it may be that in your mind you're going to the book of Philippians chapter 2 at verse 5 where the Bible says, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're to have the mind of Christ. And there's no problem with that. That's a good verse. That's something that we really and truly need to, uh, need to, to, to do. But I'm thinking more along the lines of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 this morning. In that passage, Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I want to focus for just a moment or two on this idea of the inner self being renewed day by day. Indeed, we're to have the mind of Christ in us, as he wrote in Philippians. But here he says that the inner self is being renewed day by day. But how does that happen? How does that inner self get renewed day by day? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever studied through how that inner self becomes renewed day by day? Does the Bible have any... Give us any clue? Does it tell us about that? Well, indeed it does. Look with me, if you will, to the book of Colossians chapter 3 at verse number 10. Paul says, And having uh, have put on the new self, which is being renewed. There's our word. There's what we're looking for, that renewal concept. Having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, aren't we seeking to become like Christ? Yes. But our mind has to get like Him as well. But how is it that we're being renewed day by day, Paul would say, in the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Well, it's being renewed in knowledge. Where does that knowledge come from? Is it that we go to school? Is it that we turn on a, a, a podcast or we read a paper or we do something like that so that our knowledge is being renewed? You know, I, maybe I learn how to uh, knit or maybe I learn how to work on a car or maybe I do something like that. Is that the knowledge that he's talking about? Well, I would uh, say not in this case. Look again at Romans chapter 7 at verse 22. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Now what did Paul say was being renewed? The inner man, the inner self is being renewed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. The knowledge is what is helping to renew us in the book of Colossians chapter 3 at verse 10. But here that inner self, that inner being is being renewed again. How? Because Paul says, I delight in the law of God. My mind is not right if my mind doesn't match this book. This Word that God has given me to study, to learn, to come to understand and to put into practice... In my life, every time I study the Bible, and I've studied for a number of years now, every time I study, I learn something. 
And I've dedicated a lot of time studying the Bible. I get to study the Bible more than most people get to study the Bible. Most of, at least those who are sitting here today. And every time I study it, I learn something. And you know what? My life, my mind is refreshed, renewed because of it. If I want to have balance in, spiritual, in my spiritual life, I have to get my mind right. Now quickly, let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Let's look at verses 18 and 19 beginning there in that passage. The Bible says, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children for whom I am again uh, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul has some interesting things to say here in this passage. He said it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose, but he talks about his little children. He referred to those who were Christians that he had helped to teach as children a number of times. But he says, I'm again in childbirth until Christ is formed in you. A few years ago now, I saw a documentary that uh, talked about Michael Jackson, you know, the, uh, the, the singer, and his video for his song, Black and White, that came out in 1991. And that was one of the first uh, music videos. It was quite cutting edge back then because people in that video seemed to smoothly transform from one person to another. And even Jackson morphs, if you will, from a black panther into Jackson and then back to a, a, a panther. That same technology was used in the movie Term, uh, Terminator 2. But now, 30 years later, we see that technology all the time. You know, where things morph from one thing to another, you just sort of blend and just sort of changes on the screen or whatever. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? you got one person and all of a sudden you know they either change into another or maybe they get older or younger or whatever. Uh, it's commonplace now to see that morphing done. Well... The word that's used in the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, translated, uh, they are formed in you, is the word that we get our word morph from. We are to morph, as it were, into Christ. We're to morph into the one who, who, formed, uh, uh, who is our head. We are to morph. But I want you to also notice that Paul says, I am again in anguish. I'm again in anguish. Using again that concept of childbirth, talking about the birth pains. He said, I'm again in anguish. I'm having those birth pains because it hasn't completely happened yet. The point being simply this, it's not always easy to morph into Christ. We're talking about spiritual balance in our life. We've got to get our mind right. It's not always easy to do that. Some people may be wondering this morning, you may be saying, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be more like Christ 
tomorrow than I am today and more the next day than I was tomorrow? Well, it's not easy to do that. We all understand that. At least we should understand it. You know, the labor pains, he says, were still going on. And, and the reason it's not easy is because there are things that keep getting in our way. And, and they keep us from being able to see Jesus clearly so that we can turn ourselves into Him. For some, it's worldliness. For some, it may be money. For some, it may be popularity. For some, it may be some uh, mental issue that they're having to deal with, such as depression or something of that nature. It may be pride. It may be something else. But there are things that keep us, prevent us, or at least obscure the view sometimes that we have of Christ. But whatever it is that we have that's causing it to be difficult, we need to keep working. We need to keep trying. We need to keep striving by renewing our mind day by day. Putting ourselves into the Word. Studying and understanding. Coming to understand. It's not always easy to understand the Word of God. Sometimes we need someone to help us understand. Is that not what we learn when we, when we go back to the book of Acts chapter 8? And here's a man who's riding down the road in a chariot, reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And Philip goes up to him and says, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, Well, how can I accept some person help me to do that? It's not always easy, but I'm going to tell you something. It'll be worth it. If we get our mind right. But then number three this morning... There must be the proper balance even in spiritual matters. I don't know that I can emphasize this one enough. There must be a proper balance even in spiritual matters. Do you realize that through the centuries there have been some who believe that a person must spend every waking hour in study, in prayer, even in fasting and doing good deeds. Every waking hour. This concept of spending every waking hour in study, prayer, and even fasting led to the concept of monasticism. Man, that's a big long word. What in the world is monasticism? Well, it began several centuries ago. But let me see if I can help us. Have you ever heard of a monastery? A monastery. People who live in monasteries do what? Spend their time doing these things. Studying, praying, fasting, maybe even doing some good works. You could find monks and nuns and Others in caves and swamps and cemeteries. There were even some who lived on 40 foot tall stylites. What's a stylite? A pillar. They separated themselves completely from everybody sitting up on top of a pillar. A, a big tower, if you will, spending their time doing these things. 
all of their time doing these things. That kind of spirituality is extreme and unbalanced, right? Who could do that? On the other hand, there are those who pay absolutely no attention to spiritual matters. They, they really and truly don't, don't care about spiritual things at all. But I would suggest to you this morning that the balanced spiritual life can be seen in the life of Jesus. Isn't that who, isn't it our goal to become more like Him every day? Isn't it our goal to make our mind like Him, to morph into Him, to change, uh, to be formed in Him? The balanced spiritual life can be seen in the life of Jesus. What do you mean? Number one, Jesus went to work. How do I know that? Look at the book of Mark chapter 6 at verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Talking about Jesus here. Now, in other places, Jesus is called the son of the carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter. We know him. But that's not the case here in Mark chapter 6 at verse 3. Is not this the carpenter? What job did Jesus have? At least in his earlier years, before he began going about teaching, he was a carpenter. That simply says Jesus went to work. How many here go to work? I know some are retired, some, uh, you know, are, are, are in school, okay? But our spiritual life has to be patterned like Jesus when we go to work. Can you imagine Jesus nailing a nail and hitting a thumb with the nail, or the hammer rather, and just busting out in a long stretch of cuss words at work? Can you even imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus abusing a coworker? Can you imagine Jesus doing something wrong in regard to his boss if he if he had one? No. Our spiritual life has to be patterned after Jesus. But Jesus went to work. Watch this. Jesus also went to a wedding. In the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with His disciples. And if you keep on reading, guess what? You find out Jesus went to a wedding. What, what's the point here? Jesus went through the normal activities of life. He went to work and He went to, he went to a wedding. Ever been to a wedding? Some of you may have gone to weddings and wish you could have one yourself. Some may have gone to weddings and, and, and been participants in weddings other than a, a bride or a groom. I, I've officiated weddings. You know, I've, I've been there to, to, to ask the uh, bride and the groom to say their vows and things like that. Jesus went to a wedding. 
He participated in the normal activities of life. Watch this one. Jesus went to rest. Mark chapter 6 at verse 31, He said to them, talking to His apostles, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. How busy was Jesus? And yet he had to take some time off. Jesus understands what it is to be tired just like you and me. Can you imagine Jesus not acting right in that situation? Again, the point is Jesus lived a life in which He participated in life. Just like we live a life and participate in life. But in all of the activities of Jesus, He always acted like Jesus. He never acted up. He never acted ugly. And what I'm trying to do is to participate in life just like Him. Very quickly, let's move on and let's understand a couple of more things before we close our lesson. Jesus taught a Samaritan woman. We know her as the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. They talked about worshiping God and so forth, but do you remember why Jesus was alone with the woman at the well? His disciples had gone to buy food. And uh, while they were gone, he has this conversation. After the conversation with the woman, the disciples come back. And in John chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now we've gone, we've got the McDonald's, we're back here with the Big Mac, go ahead and sit down and have some fries with it. Now, it wasn't exactly that way, you understand. I'm just saying it so you'll remember it. But they said, Rabbi, eat. Going on to verses 32 and 33, he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat while we were gone? Did somebody, somebody provide him a meal? They didn't understand it. But here's the point. Verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. You see, even in the face of natural, physical hunger, Jesus kept one thing in mind. He kept one thing in His, in his mind. He knew that whatever He was doing, God had to be a part of it. Whether He's working, whether He is at a wedding, whether he is resting, God had to be a part of it. And so proper balanced spirituality is to permeate our life. To go through and through our life in every aspect of our life. It's part of everything we do, not a separate area that is distinct from everything else. The decisions we make and the actions we take in regard to our family are all influenced by our spirituality. The decisions we make and the actions we take in regard to our social life 
are all influenced by our spirituality. The decisions we make and the actions we take in regard to our vocational life, our work life, are all influenced by our spirituality. The decisions we make and the actions we take in regard to our recreation are all influenced by our spirituality. The decisions we make and the actions we take in regard to our financial life are all influenced by our spirituality. And if our spirituality is out of balance, all of these other things are going to be out of balance as well. In the book of Proverbs chapter 3 at verse 6, talking about this concept of spirituality uh, permeating our life, the wise man said, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Now, what does it mean in all your ways acknowledge Him? Well, there are different translations of that in the Holman Christian Standard translation. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide you on the right paths. Think about Him. What do you think Jesus was thinking about when He was talking about the food? I have food. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Who who was He thinking about? What was He thinking about? Being pleasing to His Father. If that's not permeating my life, I've got it wrong. Again, same passage in the Bible in basic English. In all your ways, give ear to Him and He will make straight your footstep. In other words, listen to what He has to say, say in His Word. And our spiritual life will be what it should be. The spiritual area of your life is the most essential for balance in your total life. If it's out of harmony, then it's not going to work. But there are no ten easy steps to spirituality. You see, it really takes time to be holy. It takes time and effort on our part. But I'm going to say it like I said it a moment ago. It is worth the time and the effort. We have to regain the sincere desire to be more spiritual. We have to make that our goal. To be like Jesus more tomorrow than we are today and the more like Him the next day than we are tomorrow. That has to be our goal. And you really have to form the image in your mind of the person you want to be, the person Christ, to be like Him, to live that righteous life that God made us to live when He created mankind back in the Garden of Eden. That's a part of our spiritual, the spiritual area of our life. As we close, let me just ask you a question this morning. Are you satisfied with your present spiritual standing in your life? If you're not a Christian, you shouldn't be satisfied, not at all. Believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of the sins that you have in your life. Make the great confession. Be immersed, baptized for the remission of those sins. And then live your life faithful to your God. Maybe you have become a Christian. And you examine your life and you say, you know what? My spiritual life is out of balance and i got to get it right. Maybe there's something that is amiss in a public way that you need to make right today. If that's the case, why don't you come right now as we stand, as we sing.
chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and also verse 14. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, Nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Going down verse 14. And the word became flesh and, <clears throat> and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory 
is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Our Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful for your word. For you, your plan that you have to redeem us as sinners. As we eat this bread, we're reminded of the light that lights our way. We thank you for the body that he sacrificed himself on the cross. We give this you thanks in his name. Amen. Let us pray again. Our Father, as we ate the bread and as we take of this drink, we we understand that we must consume Christ. We must consume your word that he brought to us. We remember. We're reminded now of that blood as we drink this drink. In his name we pray. Amen. Having completed the Lord's Supper and our worship today, this time we like to be reminded of 
another part that we need to observe in our worship and that's in giving. Let us go to God in prayer and thank Him for the way He's blessed us. Let us, we trust, have determined already to return a portion to Him. Let us pray. Our Father, we're so blessed. In my finite mind, sometimes I just can't understand. why you do bless us like you do. We have many troubles in this life, but we also have many blessings. And we want to thank you. We trust that we would have a a cheerful heart that we would be willing to recognize that all things are yours. You provided everything for our use. We thank you again and ask that you continue to bless us and our nation. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Mark, thank you for the lesson of the hour. We appreciate it so very much. If you have not picked up a bulletin, make sure that you do so before you leave. The most recent text that we received this past week, adding another person to the prayer request list, is in the bulletin. So the bulletin is pretty much current. And I'm going to give you one more that was added this morning. That's Tommy Fields is in Princeton Hospital, uh, the husband of Gil Gillett. So let's remember Tommy Fields in our prayers as well. We start our classes in just a moment. We're just a little bit behind, but that's okay. Let me encourage you to stay for classes. Mark mentioned in his lesson today that when he studies the Word, God's Word, that he learned something. What is the worst that you can do or happen to you if you stay for classes today? For those who maybe do not participate in coming to classes in the past, the worst that you can do is to actually learn something. The best that can happen to you or do is that you might learn something. So please, please stay for classes that we will begin in just a moment Keith's going to come up here and dismiss us in prayer, and then uh, he'll have something to say about the classes. 
continue, uh, continue to remember those that are in, uh, that are sick and asking for our prayers. And also remember to tune in this afternoon at 5 for our 5 o'clock service. I'll turn it over to you, Keith. Let's go ahead and have our closing prayer, and then uh, I'll make some announcements on class. So bow with me, please. Our Father and our God, we are truly thankful for the love that you have for us. Father, we realize that each and every blessing is a product of your love and comes from you and through you. Father, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for the life that he led and the examples that he showed us while he was here. At this time, Father, we pray that you would be with those that are in the bulletin, those that have been announced that are sick. Father, we especially lift up Amber Gilliland. We pray, Father, that you would be with her and be with the doctors and nurses and her family as, as, as they're struggling to understand why things are going on. Father, we pray that you would give us all the patience. Uh, we realize, Father, that you, uh, we're, prob- we're not on the same timeline as you are. And we pray, Father, that you would just help us to be patient as, as we wait for you to uh, answer the prayers. We pray, Father, that you'd be with Travis Richardson, that you'd be with Stephen Sowell. Father, we also know Lou Black's in the hospital, um, Marlene Hides, Tommy Fields, uh, Theo. Uh, we pray, Father, that you'd also be with uh, Bill Sarton and that you'd also be with Marlene Howell's dad, Brother McCorder. We pray, Father, that you'd be with him as they're trying to diagnose what's going on with him at Grandview. Father, we pray that you'd be with those that have lost loved ones. We pray that you would comfort them. We ask now, Father, that you'd be with us as we go into our class times and help us to open our minds and receive your word. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. It's good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, as you picked up a bullet as you come in, you should have gotten a uh, colored insert into there. So what we're going to do is classes will start at 11. Uh, we're going to dismiss by class. And what will happen is that at 11.25, there will be a notification bell to ring that we got five minutes left, and then at 11.30, the bell will ring. So we've totally redesigned the classes as far as the grade levels that are actually affected. So, and we're going to do that, stay with that for just a little bit of time until we get more back into a normal routine. So uh, the high school class will be in the new fellowship hall, so you will be dismissed now. So if you're in the high school class, that's 6th grade through 12th grade, you can leave now and go down to the auditorium. Uh, auditorium, go down to the new fellowship hall. Okay, for one-year-old up to second grade, as soon as the high schoolers clear the hallway here or clear the auditorium, you will go to the last classroom on the right-hand side, first grade, I'm sorry, one-year-old through second grade. And if you are in the third grade through fifth grade, you will be downstairs. So as soon as you get to the water fountains right here, go downstairs. Your classroom is down there. That's the third through the fifth grade. College students, you can be dismissed to the college room, and then all the adults will stay here. So, And as we dismiss when the 11.30 bell rings, those that are on that end of the, uh, the, uh, the college class and the high school class, 6th through 12th grades, they will go out the office door so your one-year-olds and through second grade will, will come down the hallway here so you can go pick those kids up. <clears throat> 